I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On this week's show, Turner announces big changes for BR Live. Why the Bundesliga is disappointed with Fox Sports. The latest update on the Champions League rights. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, and from Wimbledon to the World Series, Serie A, and much more, I'm glad to be joined by my guest co-host this week, the one and only Mark Donaldson from ESPN. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. Th- thank you for that. that. That makes it sound like a, a glamorous lifestyle, but I always make sure when I'm, wherever I am, I'll listen to the World Soccer Podcast. And now I got, I got a chance to stand up for myself and Matteo and our Serie A coverage. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's been a hectic week with both Bayern Munich and Hearts of Middle Lothian uh, sacking their managers as well as an action patch uh, two days of the Champions League matches and much, much more. So let's kick it off this week's uh, podcast by asking you, Mark, uh, what, you, what have you been watching this past week and, and what stood out for you in terms of uh, your soccer experiences, either in person or, or, um, or on television or streaming? What I like to do, Chris, uh, I, I did Roma-Napoli, so obviously the, the timing of the Serie A games means I, I can't watch a lot of the games that are on at the same time. I can watch some later on highlights or, or whatever. This weekend, for example, we're doing Parma against Roma at the same time as Liverpool-Man City. So you find a way to watch things. So Saturday morning, I did Roma against Napoli, was able to see part of Watford-Chelsea on NBC, and then I watched Torino against Juventus on ESPN+. Now, what, what I try to do, where possible, um, every week or, or midweek, I know my schedule for the Serie A on ESPN um, for the next, usually for the next two or three months. We know up to Christmas. So I try and watch the teams that I'm about to do the week before, just to get an idea of, of what. So this weekend, we've got a doubleheader. I mentioned Parma-Roma. I've also got Juventus against Milan. So that's why I wanted to see the Turin derby anyway, but it helped that I was doing the game. Uh, on, then on, on Sunday, obviously, Rangers-Hearts on Hearts TV, sadly, glossing over that quickly in the <laughs> League Cup semi-final defeat. Um, but I watched Parma at Fiorentina on ESPN+, Plus, and then Milan against Lazio on Plus. Uh, Tuesday, got the last 10 minutes of Chelsea against Ajax on TNT. 
And then Wednesday at work, um, again, Juventus, who were at Lokomotiv Moscow in the early kickoff, and Atalanta against Man City. So it's funny, when you asked me to, to kind of, uh, you give me a heads up that you, you were going to ask uh, about what I was watching, it's the first time I've kind of put it down and, and, and written it down. I don't watch as much Premier League as I used to, and I watch a lot more other football than I used to, and I think that helps broaden the horizon. Yeah, yeah, same, same here too, and I, and I think the same thing too for a lot of our listeners over the past, say, even even like the last maybe three or four years, is that we've certainly ex- expanded our horizons. We've been introduced to different clubs, different leagues, uh, even more so, and, and the coverage is better than it's ever been in terms of accessibility and being able to watch practically any meaningful game from around the world. One of the things, Mark, about Serie A is sometimes a lot of the listeners, myself included sometimes, it's overwhelming in terms of all, all the Serie A teams. There's I mean, so many games on, especially with ESPN Plus, having every single match uh, other than the, the game of the week on, on the ESPN uh, television channels. Other than, of course, the Inter and Juve, um, and actually Atalanta have been great this season too and last season too. Is there any particular team that you would say you would recommend for, for listeners to, to really keep an eye on as something that's really an, an entertaining team or, or an exciting, interesting team that uh, we can get our hooks into? Atalanta would be the team, uh, and I know you mentioned them. They play a formation like a 3-4-1-2 with Papu Gomez, who's getting on in years with Little Argentine, but he's an absolute magician. And some clubs just have players that maybe aren't household names out with the club or, or the country, but he, he's fantastic. And, and what they do with their back three under uh, the, the coach Gasparini is that when they have the ball, two of the three centre-backs stay where they are, but one becomes part of, of the midfield. And it, it, it's a role that Mancini played um, last season, uh, and he's, he's now gone to, uh, to, to Roma. Um, so it, it, it's a role that... He's comfortable in, but they also like to have one more person um, in the middle of the park on the ball. So they're always fun to watch. I love Ilicic and Papu Gomez. As far as some of the other teams are concerned, it's, 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 I was going to say it's hard being a commentator. It's not. This is our job, keeping tabs with, with coaching changes as well, because Udinese started really well. Um, they beat Milan on the opening day of the season, and then they've fallen off a cliff. So they've got rid of, of Igor Tudor. And... I, I don't know about you, but in every league, when you're a when you're a viewer without a, a kind of passion for a, a certain club, you just enjoy the league. There, there's there's something macabre about seeing a giant struggle, mm-hmm. and and Milan this year, they just it's like constant change that they think will will rectify things. There's there's no patience there, and they're eleventh in the table. They they lost to Lazio, and and they're a side that. They have all the ability, but I don't know. They just have so many individuals, and they don't really play as a team. So your, your kind of unglamorous side would be Atalanta, and your glamorous side that's kind of big name but but not playing as as they are right now is uh, is is Milan. It almost sounds like Manchester United in many ways, uh, AC Milan, in terms of you mean a giant club with a just an enormous history, but it's one that's not not me uh, per se but i think a lot of people have uh, a sense of joy actually watching the mighty fall because manchester united a team that's you know we don't have to go through the history but 
I mean, there's there's a certain um, reality about them now, the the two, where in the past it seemed that no matter what they did, they would always um, win matches or win win competitions or leagues, etc. And now there's a really kind of a, more of a human aspect about them, where they are vulnerable, they are making mistakes, they are boring at times, but. Um, and I think in many ways, too, with AC Milan and just that proud history and, and still you know, tons of supporters in the United States and around the world, it's um, it's a shame to see where they are. But um, but maybe, you mean, maybe it's a transitional period that's just going to take a lot longer than people expected. Yeah, but there's there's no patience among mm-hmm. Milan fans. Um, the Rossoneri just they, they want success. A lot of them have grown up with like Manchester. You're, you're spot on about Man United. A lot of them have grown up thinking, well, what we're going to win this year. Um, <laughs> to, yeah. to a lesser extent, it's like me growing up as a Scotland fan, thinking, "Oh, cool! Where's the World Cup in four years' time? Where, where are we going to go to?" The- <laughs> that that doesn't happen anymore. So the the, the Atalanta from a, a kind of uh, unsung heroes, the Milan from the big club, uh, kind of struggling, and the the one the one story this year, or one of of many stories, but one of my favourite stories from a team that we haven't covered yet. We've covered on ESPN Plus, obviously, every week, but but not on the on the main channels yet, although we do have a couple of games coming up, is Cagliari. Now, now Cagliari's a side who, again, they're unheralded. And it's not waifs and strays, but they're they're one of the more experienced teams in the league um, with the likes of Cacciatore and Pizzacane and Clavan in defence. They're all in their, their kind of early to mid-30s. Uh, Cigarini in midfield, but Nangolan. I mean, Nangolan's a really interesting story because if you remember, he was at Inter and... Um, when it was, sorry, when he was at Roma, he went to Inter in return for Davide Santon and a kid called Nicolo Zaniolo. Mm-hmm. Now, Zaniolo was, was, was 4.5 million, was his part of the deal. Santon was 10 million, and the whole deal was just under 50 million. Nangalan's now at Cagliari. So, I mean, I don't know what Inter were thinking. Maybe like, hindsight's easy. It's like saying, why did James Pelota sanction the sale of, of Mohamed Salah? Um, when he met in an Italian restaurant in Boston with the, with the Liverpool owner, well, it, that, he thought he was getting value for money. He thought he thought Liverpool were overpaying for Nangolan. They didn't know what Zaniolo was going to be like. Now Nangolan's at Cagliari. Zaniolo's ripping it up, signed a new five-year deal at Roma, and, and Cagliari are going from strength to strength with Simeone, um, the the striker who's Diego's son up front with three goals this season, and the key player for them this season has been a a bit of an unheralded midfielder Brazilian called Joao Pedro who's been with Cagliari for like five or six years and uh, he just keeps plodding on and scoring goals Now switching gears for a minute uh, to talk about the Champions League it's been um, an eventful Champions League uh, to to say the least Uh, everything from the Chelsea Ajax uh, just goal fest um, to actually I think it was uh, Dinamo Zagreb against uh, Shakhtar Donetsk which was another uh, goal fest and just, just incredible scenes it's one of those things that um, there's a lot of crit- criticism online, especially on social media, about, uh, I think, TNT uh, deciding to show Real Madrid against uh, Galatasaray when there's so many other matches that they could have shown that may have been more interesting. And um, some, it, it's a tough job being a, a, in charge of programming sometimes because, I mean, do you go with the, the TV ratings or do you go with what might be a, a lesser viewed match but might be more interesting well, TNT went, went went with Real Madrid against Galatasaray, and the other matches were um, pretty actually sensational across the board. The one thing I've been watching quite a bit um, this season so far is something from uh, Tuduene, 
which is I mean previously Univision Deportes, which is their zone of football whip around show, which is very much like the NFL Red Zone. Uh, I've been watching it all season so far, and um, I just love it. I mean, it really is sensational because I can tune into it. I can watch uh, every single goal as they happen and any kind of near miss or any controversy. I, I walk away from what the Champions League feeling fulfilled, feeling that I've gotten, I, I know exactly kind of what happened um, in those 90 minutes, rather than seeing watching Real Madrid against Galatasaray and then seeing kind of a goal fest, but a really one-sided goal fest and some great goals by Rodrigo, but, but feeling I, I missed out on everything else. The one thing, though, however, I do miss out on with uh, Zona Football is having the commentary because, I mean, I understand a little bit of Spanish and speak a little bit of Spanish, but I'm missing out on the commentary. So um, that's the one thing I'm missing. And that's something for TNT. If they do get the chance to get the rights for the next round, whether or not they would uh, have you know, their own English language version of Zona Football, but um, on the Spanish language side, I mean... I mean, again, I don't speak much Spanish, but it's fantastic. I really, really can't recommend it highly enough. How about you, Mark? Did you get a chance to watch any Champions League or any observations from either commentary or some of the matches you may have seen? I kind of have a rule that as a commentator, I'm not going to be... I can keep my thoughts to myself and I kind of save draft away, but I'm never going to be disrespectful about fellow colleagues because it's not an easy job. we got enough stick... From, from people who think we're against the club. Um, the one thing, is speaking as a, a fan, and I, 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 uh, Gary Bartles, I just wish he'd be more positive. <laughs> I, I, I that's think, all I'm saying. I, I think that's impossible, though. I mean, that's part of oh. the, ch- the charm of Gar- Gary Bartles. He's consistently <laughs> Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Grumpy. Do you, know what it, do, you know, do you know what it reminds me of? And, and, and maybe it's a personal thing for people. It reminds me of your dad or your mom or your... Your aunt or your uncle used to stand and shout at you when you were playing as a kid because you never did anything right. And I was just like, I don't need this anymore. Just let me watch the game without just this constant negativity. It's like he always finds... Like, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. And I've heard bits and pieces of, of like podcasts or phone-ins he does in, in Nottingham and, and, and whatever... And I just, when he's commenting, I'm like, please, just a little bit of positivity. Because I, for me, a commentator uh, is basically the captain of the ship. We're, we're the, the guy you, you shouldn't really see. Uh, you have to hear from him, but you shouldn't see him. And, and he just should do his job, make sure the ship is steered. The analyst is, is someone who is, can, can provide, provide something. Now, Craig Burley's a grumpy so-and-so at work. But I, I really enjoy working with Craig because he tells me something that I don't know. He tells the viewers something he, he, that they don't know. He's not overly tactical, but he, he, he points things out. But he's still grumpy. But he doesn't he doesn't bring that constant negativity to the screen. Um, so I just I just wish Gary was just a wee bit more not upbeat. He's honest. I don't mind that, but just. Yeah. It's not all about the negativity, please. <laughs> I, I think the difference is is that uh, with Gary Bertles is that when I'm picturing him uh, doing the co-commentating and, and the, the analysis is that I'm picturing him not smiling as opposed to <laughs> Craig, Craig Burley when, he, when he's given some really kind of just tough crit- criticism. He doesn't I, care. He doesn't care, but I, I picture him smiling though because maybe a minute later he's talking about some you know, great, great pass or whatever it may be. Uh, he doesn't care, but but I, I can I can picture Craig from well, watching him on television, but picture him smiling and actually enjoying it. 
uh, with and with Gary, it seems to be very much a, a chore, and sometimes um, yeah, in some ways yeah. because he was such at such a height with Nottingham Forest, and the expectations are so much greater that it's kind of a you mean a false sense of reality. I'm sure if we went back to watch some of the the tapes of uh, Forest back in the early '80s with him playing, you mean he probably if he had a critic oh, analyze himself, he probably would be just as grumpy. That's a, that's a really good point. Um, it's it's one I hadn't really thought of before. It's a bit like someone playing in, in Major League Soccer coming over, a, a superstar coming over and playing with someone that's, that's getting their first game and they're not making the runs that the superstar's expected because he's come from a, a team that, that uh, he's used to that. You, you've, got to, you've got to blend in, but do analysts, uh, are the best analysts not the ones that have played at the very top level? My favourite analyst is, is Jim Beglin. Now, Jim was an excellent player and Jim played at a, a very high level um, for Liverpool, Beglin and 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 Drury for me are, are the number one team. I'm delighted to see they've got uh, they've got Liverpool against Man City this weekend. And sometimes you think to yourself, is it just me that thinks that? But clearly, um, someone else or whoever is in, in programming or is deciding that they should go in the big game, they know their stuff because because they are the best team. But just when you when you talk about that. Gary Bertels, I mean, he played for Nottingham Forest in, in, I think, was he just, I think he was a European Cup winning teams. I think he was still there when they yep. played like Malmo. Absolutely. Re- yeah, really good player. Do analysts who played at a higher level hold players to a higher standard mm-hmm. if they're not doing Champions League or if it's just a normal game? Interesting thought. Yeah. Interesting thought, that. Yeah, Absolutely. One more thing about the Champions League too is that uh, also with the zone of football, I mean, all in Spanish, but there's still quite a lot of English phrases coming out. So this midweek watching uh, Champions League, I heard a few that was, it's Captain America, Christian Pulisic, and uh, penalty, penalty, instead of uh, penal, penal. And and even uh, the phrase, check it out, please, uh, says Pep Guardiola. And these are all phrases used in in a Spanish language commentary of the Champions League uh, by American commentators that are you mean, obviously bilingual uh it's just interesting because i, I wouldn't expect to hear in an I mean, english language commentary of the champions league some spanish phrases thrown in and i think it's just a very much a maybe it's, it's it has to be on purpose but it's very much a very uh bilingual savvy uh commentary and, and it's certainly one to watch yeah, it's it's something. I mean, I, I dropped a, a très bien into a, a commentary last week when Jordan Vertu scored a penalty or, or did something something well. But it just it seemed pertinent at the time. It wasn't done to to appear smart or anything like that. Um, but it was a Serie A game. It was an Italian game. Um, Matteo speaks the line. He, he's he's one of the, Matteo Bonetti, the, my co-commentator. He uh, speaks perfect Italian. Um, the pair of us are still working on our English, but I'm sure we'll get there. So I, I'm not going to step outside my lane. I, I, he can he can do all that. I'm not going to try and be smart or, or whatever when I've got someone that that can uh, even a pause. But when we, we when we did the game last week, Roma against Napoli, um, we we heard the, the kind of loudspeaker, um, uh, <laughs> the Tannoy guy or whatever he was, saying something to the crowd. Now it's, it's difficult for us because. You can hear certain things, but there was clearly a message. But then we were aware, we, we had an idea that that was a warning, look, stop your chance. And then it became pretty clear when the um, when the play was stopped that that's what's happened. But but Matteo was was able to, 
and that's why he's great doing it with him. He, he's able to to hear chants uh, or to hear uh, stuff from from the sidelines. Um, but as far as kind of, it's not it's difficult for me to talk about as far as uh, the, the the bilingual is concerned because th- these are people that may spend the majority of their week speaking English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the, 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 so it, it's hard. I'll, I'll I'll use certain foreign phrases where it's applicable, but I, I have I have nothing kind of written down. I don't know about other commentators. I can tell you everything about all the the co-commentators that I've worked with, but I've I've never worked with any other commentator. You don't have two commentators in the same booth. I don't know if they write stuff down. I don't know about the the kind of stuff that they do. But this yeah. is I'm just speaking speaking for me. Well, it's it's interesting. Probably in the last two years, we've seen more uh, notes written by lead commentators worldwide than than probably ever before. Because I mean, a lot of them are actually now. I mean, Arlo. Uh, White was uh, has been kind of taking pictures of his his kind of setup before he goes into a match and kind of all, you mean the eleven players on each side and his notes. Uh, John Champion's been doing the same thing too, and a bunch of other commentators too. Uh, for you, uh, Mark, what's what's your style? Do you you mean do you have a laptop? Do you have notes scribbled down? Do you print them all out and put labels? No or? laptop. No 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 laptop. Um, what I'll do, Chris, I will send you. You can you can put it out. I'll send you my sheet for um, this weekend's game. I've got two. I'm doing Juventus uh, Milan as the second game, but I've already finished my prep for Parma against Roma, uh, and I will send you it. And you can do whatever you want um, with it and, and showcase it. I've I put it out on social media a couple of times um, previously uh, for for other games, but I'm welcome to, to to share it with you. I'll email it over to you, yeah. and you can you can send it out. Uh, I I'm slightly different from everyone else. I have little pictures. Hmm. I have pictures of every player. And um, I think for, for me, it's important because I'll know if I'm doing the game week, weekly and I've done the games before or teams before, I'll know 95% of them. But there might be one that is coming up from the youth or is called up for the first time due to injuries. So I've got pictures of them all. It might be the obvious ones like Buffon or, or Ronaldo, but it's, it's the way I've always done it. It's yeah. the way I've always done it. And uh, I'll give a little hat tip here. It's a nod... Um, Jim Proudfoot, uh, who's a very, very good commentator, and I worked with at Talk Sport before I came over here. Um, Jim is your voice you'll probably hear most of the time on your early game on a Saturday morning. Um, Jim sent me over a basic template for games he used to cover back in 2010, and I've just tweaked it. I've put little photos in and pictures and, and everything else. Um, that's the way I do it. Very good. It might, not be, it might not be what everyone else does, but I don't want to be everyone else. Yeah, and I'll definitely I certainly share that on um, Twitter at Will Soccer Talk. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, by the time you listen to this podcast, it'll probably be up there and being circulated around. One more note, uh, Mark, before we head on to the news is that uh, uh, for the commentating this weekend, the Man City, well, the Liverpool Man City game, uh, I believe like the world feed is going to be Peter Drury, but uh, the, the US feed is going to be Ola White and Graham ah, Lasso. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I, knew, I knew about the world feed. I didn't know. I mean, that makes total sense um, yeah. that you put your you put your A, A team for NBC on that one. Um, but yeah, for for everyone else outside of of the US, um, I think you've got your for me the the top pairing anywhere uh, in in Drury and uh, and Beglin. Absolutely. Now moving on to TV streaming news. Uh, this past weekend, I was a guest of the Bundesliga, so I had a chance to go to Frankfurt and to Düsseldorf to see a couple of matches and also to learn more about the Bundesliga, uh, what they're up to in terms of um, 
promoting the league overseas, uh, interviewing some some of the players and the executives, and, and really getting a, a better feel for the whole Bundesliga Liga experience. Well, in one of these meetings that we had with uh, the Bundesliga CEO, Christian Seifert, he mentioned something very interesting, and he said, this is the quote from him, he says, I must admit, I was a little bit, a bit disappointed with Fox Sports as a partner. Uh, because of Fox Sports, it's hard as a US Bundesliga fan to get used to the Bundesliga if you, if you play one time on that channel, and then one time on another channel, and then again on that channel, so on and so forth. And, and these are fair comments. Uh, we've especially talked about this on the podcast quite a bit in terms of the consistency uh, with Fox Sports. It's been very difficult. Um, with NBC, is just, just as one example, going into any Premier League weekend, you can almost uh, regurgitate exactly which uh, times and which channels the game's gonna, going to be on. With the Bundesliga, you really have to look. I mean, sometimes it could be Fox Soccer Plus. Sometimes it could be Over the Air Fox. Uh, but certainly some um, some fair comments there from the the CEO. What was surprising, though, is the timing of this, because um, Fox Sports still has the rights for the Bundesliga until um, May 2020, uh, before ESPN picks up the rights in uh, August 2020. So in some ways, you would think that he would have held back and just not said anything, but um, it is what it is. One thing that I discovered as a possibility and that there's no certainty that this is going to happen but um, there have been some kind of basically preliminary talks about the possibility of ESPN doing a 30 for 30 uh, documentary about some aspect of the Bundesliga now whether or not this will happen or not we don't know yet but it has been mentioned so that's something to keep an eye out and and that gives you an idea too in terms of um, how ESPN is going into uh, the coverage of the Bundesliga and looking for the story within the story, looking for uh, ways to um, take advantage in, in a good way of ESPN FC, both the TV show and the website and uh, the storytelling abilities that, that uh, the ESPN has, which is a huge advantage over Fox. FoxSports.com has, as far as I know, no written content. It's all video. Uh, so ESPN certainly comes at, at this from a completely different angle and um, I think most of us, Mark, are looking forward to it. I'm sure, I'm sure you are too. But this is something that um, is a big step for the Bundesliga going to a mostly streaming solution for the future. And in many ways, they could be ahead of the, their time. They could be going down a path that's going to give them some much rich rewards down, down the future. At the same time, there's always that transitional period too where you have people that are, you mean become accustomed to watching everything on television and will feel that they're going to miss out. Um, with you working at ESPN, it's probably a little bit difficult for you to talk about it, but but in terms of um, excitement or uh, anticipation uh, for ESPN Plus and, and the, you mean the ESPN games that will be on television, uh, what's it like within ESPN HQ? And any, any kind of uh, excitement building yet? Yeah, because a couple of things... Um, I love the product. This is I haven't done much of it this season, um, but I've done for the international uh, audience and for the domestic audience with German Cups in the past. Um, I've covered a lot of Bundesliga. Obviously, you've got a lot of Americans over there. Um, and the, the, it's just a league that I, I enjoy watching. And give me the, the kind of Mönchengladbach on top right now or Dortmund last season and, and Bayern kind of playing catch-up. Give me all that. Give me Arsene Wenger there. I'd love, I'd love to see that. Yeah. From, from an ESPN perspective, what we've started to do now, 
we, we've gone from, from famine to feast with the likes of ESPN+. Plus. It was a product that didn't exist. It now exists. It's got a lot of rights, and it's going to continue to grow. So what we started to do, actually, when I was at the, the World Series Baseball recently, um, Matteo and Dan and, and Craig were, were doing kind of wraparound shows or post-match shows for exclusive to ESPN+. Plus. Now, this is something I've heard you and, and Kartik talk about on the, the podcast and on a few occasions, um, and, and I totally agree with you. It, it, a lot of it's down to staffing, um, and hopefully we, we will see over the next six to 12 months uh, additional members of staff. I, I'm not speaking from any knowledge. I'm, I'm just thinking there is a platform now um, and an opportunity to add to that because I think it's important and I'm speaking here not as a, an ESPN staff member, I'm speaking here as a fan. Mm-hmm. I think it's important when you, when you have the rights to Serie A and to the Bundesliga that, that we're, we have and that we're going to get, if you can package that up, I, I just think it makes it more grandiose. Uh, we did it for the FA Cup final um, last year. We had our own commentary and I know it's an ESPN Plus exclusive product. Um, but for Serie A recently, um, we had the, the kind of post-match show with the analysis and looking back at the goals and, and slowly but surely, we're, we're getting there. Again, staffing uh, will hopefully not be an issue for much longer. And I think I don't think you, you sign a six-year deal and pay what, what we're paying for the Bundesliga without different plans. And the 30 for 30 is really interesting. I didn't know about that. And I wouldn't be surprised that, obviously, if it's a, a domestic game, which I think there's going to be potentially four a year on domestic, um, that there'll be a, a kind of... It won't just be hosted um, by the commentator uh, and then halftime will be a, a, a pre-recorded segment. I'd like to think going forward, we've already shown that we, we can do it. So so hopefully that's the case. And the second thing, Chris, is um, right now, it, it's a case of who's got ESPN+. Plus. I think down the line, and we're talking the next two, three, four years, and who knows where the Champions League will end up. And if it if it does end up down the line at, at ESPN uh, or ESPN+, Plus, then it might be a case of, Who's not got ESPN Plus? Because it's it's going to be as as required for a football fan in, in this country as NBC as as anything else uh, that, that's as Fox in the World Cup or or whatever. It's going to be a vital part. So uh, a lot of excitement, um, but also a lot of kind of okay, cool. What what we're going to do around this? And there's a lot of questions, and we're, we'll get answers, but yep. we don't need them just yet. Yeah, and the the six-year deal certainly helps in terms of, just like with uh, NBC Sports and the Premier League, in terms of having a longer deal where you can plan ahead more effectively, you can uh, really launch a platform and and, and a marketing campaign, advertising campaign, and build on it. And just a few uh, other news items too. With the Champions League, uh, we know that uh, the bidding for the 2021 to 2024 rights um, ended this week. Now, the process that they're in, sometimes they'll go back for some additional bids or sometimes they'll review that or we'll talk to the lawyers. So it's still a ways away from actually uh, us knowing uh, who the, those rights will go to. But it's quite possible, too, that Turner Sports may lose out on the next rights uh, to the UEFA Champions League and would have one more season next season, which may be their last before those are handed over to another organization. And having a deal that's only on a, on a three-year cycle doesn't give you much time because you're halfway through and you might be finding out that you've, you've lost the rights for the next right cycle. So the six-year deal with the Bundesliga um, and uh, ESPN Plus is, is huge uh, for both for both partners and, and really uh, is a huge statement of intent from ESPN. 
A couple of other news items real fast too is that, uh, speaking of Tuna Sports, is that um, there was some revelations this week too that um, Tuna Sports is planning on taking the BR Live streaming platform and integrating it into the Bleacher Report app. Now, this process is going to take about two years to complete. Uh, it's something that uh, makes total sense on paper. It's, I mean, the Bleacher Report app is... Um, has a lot, a lot more subscribers. Is a very, you mean, uh, very used and very, very uh, reliable app. Uh, but the process is going to take uh, two years. So, so by that point in time, once the the BR Live app is integrated into Bleacher Report and BR Live becomes no more, it, it's quite possible that Turner may have lost uh, the the lion's share of the the rights that they have for soccer. Of course, they have other sports too. But uh, interesting t- things to watch there. And last but not least, uh, the NWSL Championship on ESPN uh, saw a 43% growth uh, for, the, for the coverage there. So uh, all in all, some great news. Now moving on to TV ratings, uh, we don't have all of the numbers uh, yet. We will have them posted on worldsoccertalk.com uh, on Thursday or Friday. So certainly come back and, and see the full list there. Uh, what we do have is some some numbers. I'll point out uh, Everton against Spurs on NBCSN on Sunday, which was the eleven thirty kickoff to one thirty, the one that had twelve minutes of of added time uh, after that horrific injury. Uh, Four hundred sixty six thousand there for that match, and then going down uh, Atlanta against uh, Toronto on FS One last Wednesday, and this was the MLS Cup playoffs. Uh, Three hundred fifty nine thousand viewers for that on FS One, so a great number there. For, uh, for MLS and Fox. Uh, the LAFC Seattle game on ESPN, the MLS Cup, Cup playoff from last Tuesday, uh, 389,000 viewers. And again, uh, positive numbers uh, all the way down the list. Now, moving on to listener mailbag, uh, we've got uh, JP says, uh, with Kartik on the Bundesliga and streaming on that topic, Disney Plus slash ESPN Plus may end up having a large number of subscribers, but doesn't necessarily mean a large portion of those subscribers will be viewing the Bundesliga. I've beaten this dead horse a billion times, but streaming for sports only pulls in the viewers that are already looking to watch that event. No new fans or casual fans. Big soccer fan, goes without saying, if um, I'm reading this site, he says, but only got ESPN Plus specifically for Serie A because I was already a fan. We'll also watch a tiny bit of Eredivisie, but that was only after falling in love with Ajax during the Champions League on linear TV and deciding to take a look when there's no Serie A La Liga match at the same time of interest. Bundesliga is currently my third option for soccer, but like Kartik, I don't think it'll. I'll necessarily seek it out once the change to ESPN Plus, outside of a few matches a year, and those are the matches that will likely be shown on linear TV anyway. So some interesting thoughts there from JP in terms of kind of his viewing habits, and and th- and that is the thing too. I mean, it's it's a long term bet that ESPN Plus has, and especially with it, Disney Plus launching next week, uh, which is going to be there's also a Disney Plus bundle which will include ESPN Plus. And um, as we talked about, I think it was Moffat Nathanson last week talked about uh, in a year from now, by the end of uh, 2020, uh, globally, the Disney Plus um, bundle may have as many as I think about 18 million subscribers. So massive numbers. So even if a small percentage of those people give the Bundesliga a try or, or find Serie A as, a, as they're going through their app and, and come across it, 
there's big opportunities there to to get some viewership uh, bump. Uh, we'll have to see on that, Mark. The one thing I would say, Chris, is is we've never had a choice like this ever. Mm-hmm. A football fan in this country or in any other country can can pretty much watch what they want when they want if it's on. Now, you and I grew up in 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 the UK, whereby we had three channels that became four channels that eventually became five channels. And then we, in 1989, had the, uh, the B Sky B, um, the, the, the satellite, and, and that opened our eyes. And then the Premier League started in 92. Quick story. I remember way back when I was a child, I stayed right on the, the kind of boundary line between uh, Scottish television, this is ITV, and border television. And it was back in the, the days of the late 80s and early 90s um, when, they, when they showed live games on ITV on a Sunday. We didn't get it on STV on Scottish television. So um, I'd say to my dad, Dad, can, can, we go to, can we go to a restaurant or whatever? Obviously, I couldn't drink, but he, he would then drive me half an hour down the road so we could watch the football. That's, the kind of, that, that's what we did back then. And I don't know if it was the same in, in Wales or I would assume you would have got the the coverage, but if, if um, Anglia or, or whoever had their own Welsh programming, then you, you would have had a, a kind of issue. You would have had to find somewhere that, that showed it. Now, you, you, you switch your phone on, you put your iPad on, you put your laptop on, and you've got the choice. But with choice comes the, the slogan about satisfying some of the people some of the time, but not all the people all the time. You're, you're diluting the, the options um, in that, A, there are so many, but B... You're going to have people saying, well, there, there might be all these subscribers to Disney Plus or ESPN Plus, but I'm not going to watch it. That's fine. No issue with that whatsoever. And th- that's for people who, who tally up the numbers. You can do anything you want with statistics. As a commentator, I know this. 45% of the time negative becomes 55% of the time positive. You can tweak them whatever way you want. But from a numbers perspective, they're going to have a lot of numbers. That's fine. Um, and it, it, it's like saying... With a free newspaper, the London Evening Standard or whatever, or we've got this number of, list, uh, of, of readers. Well, that's how many have been distributed. A lot. I'm not saying they're, they're falsities, but mm-hmm. th- this is this is what can happen um, with with numbers and, and statistics. But you have an unbelievable choice now. And to be fair, if you want to watch it, great. If you don't, well, you know it's there if you, if you ever do. And I think I think it's great for the consumer. And, and that's one thing that uh, the Bundesliga has been, has been missing, and, and they will get with uh, ESPN Plus starting in, in August, is that consistency. So you know that every single weekend, uh, like clockwork, you can, you can tune in on, on a Friday for a 2.30 uh, in the afternoon Eastern game uh, and go through right through, through the, the weekend. Uh, the only one match you'll have to kind of pay attention to is that the one that may be on television, which is right now probably about four times a year. Um, and it's probably going to be, I mean, two of them are probably going to be De Classica. One might be the opening match of the season and one might be the title match of the season. But it's one of those things that that consistency, knowing that um, the ease of access, if you have ESPN Plus, um, makes it more of a, a better experience for fans of German football and who you, you enjoy watching that match. And it might be one of those things, too, that you might have Serie A uh, fans or viewers of fans of the clubs saying, okay, well, let me get into the Bundesliga and let me, let me watch some of those matches and, and vice versa. So there's a lot of cross-pollination uh, happening yeah. there too. I think the problem that, that, that we all have, and, and it's funny, you were talking earlier about going with Real Madrid Galatasaray over whatever. We've just put out our fixtures between now and the end of, of 2019. Of course you're going to get stick. Why have you chosen that over that one? 
that's not it's not our decision it's not it wasn't their decision uh, as far as the commentators are concerned to do Real Madrid Galatasaray we just have to abide by it and I'll find myself um, sometimes sending texts to Robbie Musto uh, who used to work at ESPN saying what are you doing this for why are you not doing that game and he's like we had a chat about it and this is what we decided I think with with them at NBC there's <clears throat> there's a lot of um of, of input invited by everyone across the board. And I think that's, that's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not always going to make the right decision and go back to satisfying some of the people some of the time and not all the people all the time. There's 20 teams in the Premier League and, and, and this is the way it works. And the same with Serie A and the Bundesliga. We, we can't show them all on linear, but what's the difference between finding something on ESPN Plus and finding a Premier League game that's on CNBC? And the Wolves Arsenal game on Saturday yep. um, was the, the secondary game, and uh, 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 that did 160k, um, which which is all right. But if you're a Wolves or an Arsenal fan, you find it. The, the one thing, um, speaking from someone in the business, that I would say we could maybe do better is cross promotion. Tell people, don't make them have to find it. Don't make them have to guess. Make it easier to cross promote on other shows on other platforms that this is where you can find it. Because with the choice that people now have, which is incredible as a football fan in this country or anywhere else, we'll do digging. We'll find it. But human beings are lazy. We want it on a plate. We want to know where it is, when it is, and how we get there. We should make it easier for people to do that. And if we do, then hopefully the numbers can increase. Absolutely. And and actually, that's partly World Soccer Talk in terms of kind of filling that void in terms of just trying to make it as easy as possible to let people know about the different types of coverage out there and, and all the TV schedules and which matches are on which channels. And, and, also, and it's a big help. It, it, it's yeah. a really big help. Yeah. And, and even looking at this weekend's match to the De Classico between Bayern Munich and uh, Dortmund, big match. It's on FS2, but the reality is, is that uh, FS1 has college football uh, I think Big Fox has college football too, so it's um, oftentimes whether it's Fox or ESPN or uh, other broadcasters, um, there's other coverage that they have contra- contractual rights to that they they have to show those games, and uh, unfortunately so- soccer sometimes gets knocked down the pecking order slightly. Yeah, uh, it's just it, a ma- it, matter of the business. It, 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 and that, that's the problem, Chris, because coming over from the UK, like the pair of us have done, we're aware of college football. We had no idea the numbers that that does. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ESPN's deal with, on college football is it's got it's got about another fifteen to twenty years to run, and the numbers were like, why aren't they showing this on on ESPN or ESPN two? Like, college football does scary numbers on Fox, on ESPN, on on all the platforms that it's on, and it, it's kind of look outside your, your your box a little bit, and and that you, you have you have to understand that as much as we want the world to revolve around football, our teams, our leagues, our countries. Um, business is business, and people who are making these decisions know what they're doing. And you, you're not going to get a Serie A game or a Bundesliga game on ESPN on a Saturday morning instead of college game day. It, it's, it's not the way it works. It, it, it's like saying when we were back in the UK, you're not going to get a, a, oh, Liverpool have drawn Arsenal in the League Cup. Right, we'll, we'll move EastEnders, and we'll do that. It's, it's, it's only the top events that get done. It's exactly the same over here with college football. And that's the way it should be, because they've paid a lot of money for it, yeah. and the viewership is a lot more than we can get. 
Absolutely. Uh, next up is Monty Reed. Monty says, I have ESPN Plus, and like Kartik, I tend not to open the ESPN Plus app on my Roku. I go to Fubo first because I love how they list out every match that is going uh, to be played. I have no clue why other streaming services don't copy this. During college football season, I'll open Sling TV next. Only after I determine that nothing else is on, I will open up ESPN Plus app. If ESPN Plus uh, was integrated into a streaming service, like the way that ESPN3 is with Sling TV or Tudo NA Extra on Fubo, I would watch it a lot more since there's a lot of content that I do enjoy. Eredivisie, um, NCAA, men and women's soccer, etc. But should we not expect even more soccer leagues to go behind a paywall? How do ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox and others make money from televising a match? Unless I'm missing something, it's from the pre-game, post-game and half-time commercials. We bitch when we read that a match will start at 2 p.m. and tune in to see 20 minutes of commercials before that match really kicks off at 2.20 p.m. But isn't this how Fox is making money? I'm sure ESPN believes that one Serie A match uh, per week on one of the ESPN channels will encourage more people to watch more Serie A behind the paywall of ESPN+. Turner's mistake with BR Live is that they did not count on so many people willing to watch those matches in Spanish instead of going to their paywall. ESPN was smart by getting Bundesliga in both English and Spanish. Good, mm. good observations there by Monty. And, and actually, it's just a coincidence that, Mark, you're on this week and Kartix uh, <laughs> will be back next week. But um, I agree, I think, with uh, almost everything that Monty says there. So... Um... You've just arrived back. You, you, you were a, a big football fan, but you travelled to Planet Zog 10 years ago. And you've just arrived back from Planet Zog. And you've tuned in. Your first podcast you've listened to is this week's World Soccer Talk podcast. And you've listened to the first four or five sentences from Monty Reed. And you're like, what? Fubo. <laughs> ESPN Plus. Streaming. Sling other things, Tudo NN or whatever it is. And, and, and you, you now have, the, for me, what I'm trying to say is it complicates things. There's a lot going on. And as I say, we, we find things. But I think if we can simplify everything, and I'm led to believe, and I don't know if this is the case, I have TVs in my house, which when we moved probably three years ago, we bought. Those TVs are smart TVs but they don't have the ESPN Plus app on them. I'm led to believe that if you buy a TV, smart TV now, a new one, that it has, as one of its apps, ESPN Plus. So it's simple. It's as as easy as going to an HDMI to change between Amazon Prime or or however you do it. It's going to be simple. Now, if you've been on Planet Zog and you you didn't understand what Fubo is or, or what Sling is or what ESPN Plus is, that I can understand why other people maybe a generational thing, are, are slightly complicated um, and confused by that. And I think as time goes on with the rights um, that ESPN Plus is getting and that everyone else is, is getting and, and their second screen content, second screen's been, been around for, for over a decade. I, was, I did golf and tennis second screen in, in 2010. Um, so it's, it's not new. But we have to make it easier for people to find things. And Monty's clearly clued up about what, what he likes, um, where he goes. But we have to make it simpler for people in the future so that they don't have to have 
um, USBs plugged in or HDMI four, five, six, or or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll, I think we'll get to that. But 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 it's a good point that that Monty makes. Next up is Mark Doherty, and he says, uh, I was watching uh, Union Berlin against Hertha Berlin. Love the ap- atmosphere, mostly of this historic occasion. Great game for the underdogs. During the incidents that occurred in the stands, FS1 broadcasted a message scroll that notified the fan watching on TV the match had been interrupted due to safety concerns. Is this purely a Fox or Bundesliga thing? Are uh, other leagues and broadcasters going to start doing this if similar horrible incidents occur with safety, racism, etc.? Mark, mm. uh, do you know about this in terms of like Serie A, if a match is um, delayed or you mean basically, basically ab- abandoned or postponed, is that usually is it broadcaster by, by, by broadcaster or would the, no. the rights holder do something there? No, um, the world feed had nothing last week when we did Roma Napoli and the game was was stopped and halted for a period until things calmed down. Uh, as as a commentator uh, and an analyst, it's it's kind of up to us and our producer um, to to find out w- what's going on. And we we have our methods that that we look at during the game. I think there's a live blog on Football Italia, which is a wonderful wonderful website, which is very helpful. Um, but as far as uh, something that, that's on the screen is concerned, no. And, and it can be difficult. When you're calling games like we do with a lot of, of games off, off tube, off monitors, we can only see and hear what, what everyone else can, can see and hear. And it, it can be difficult. So that's interesting that, that FS1 um, did that. But the other thing is when we say something, We've got to be careful. That is the right thing that we're saying. We're not going to take a risk. Well, that's what we think is happening. If it's something like that, if it's a game being suspended or stopped for a safety or a security or a chant, we have to know what's going on. And, 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 and maybe that's something that, that can be done by more world feeds um, because they're on site. It's a lot easier for them to get info uh, the, the, than for us. So mm-hmm. interesting FS1 one did that. I think that's smart. Yeah, I think there was a match last season too, which was the Monday match. Um, I can't remember if it was um, Gladbach. It actually might have been somebody else. But it was a match where the tennis balls were thrown on the pitch. And yep. there was like thousands of tennis balls thrown on the pitch. And it was something I think Fox had the scroll across the bottom. They said the match had been um, abandoned. And you mean, they had to go in and clear up all the balls and, and come back and fix things. But a lot of that in terms of... For me personally, I think I was able to just hop on Twitter and look in terms of the live uh, updates and reports coming from the match itself, from the broadcasters, well, actually from the journalists there. And I was able to get more kind of intel on what was happening than what Fox had said, which is basically, I mean, this is kind of what happened and and that's it. Um, But I think you're always going to get that too with a second screen, uh, whether it's, you mean, access you know, on your phone or your computer to a whole host of more resources and uh, feedback instantly um, faster than the broadcaster is sometimes where it is one of those crazy things that happens. It's rare, but, um, but yeah, it's, um, it is an interesting development, especially in, in the past, even the past couple of years in terms of this seems to be happening more and more in terms of whether there's unfortunately, whether it's racism or whether it's uh, chanting or whether it's just uh, protest from supporters. The one thing, I, the one message I would give to to maybe younger listeners to to this podcast and and voracious users of social media is quite simply: it's more important to be right than to be quick. 
Yeah. And I think the same applies for, for commentating with regards to having to talk about why a game has been stopped. I want to be right. I don't want to jump to an, a, a conclusion, uh, an assumption that, that this happened. It might seem obvious, but this is this is a kind of this is a gray area because unless there's conversations between uh, TV rights holders globally and the world feed about what they could what we could both do better, uh, but what we need um, when something like this happens, then it's it's up to us. But we we have to be careful. Mm-hmm. We have to be careful. I'd rather be right than be first with something. Yeah. Ideally, you want to be first and be right. But if you can only have one, just make sure you're right. It's not always about being first. Good point. And last but not least, um, For the Culture has a, a, a tweet here that came in. Has there been any talk by ESPN of possibly creating a 24-7 soccer channel, considering all the properties they've been collecting in the past year, even in a streaming-only capacity within ESPN Plus, instead of cable, it's something that is badly needed? What's your take on this, Mark? <laughs> when do I sleep? <laughs> right. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a 20-month-old daughter. I'd, I'd love that, but I, I'll, I'll take you back to something I said earlier. Um, I, I'd like to think that if, if the more rights are being added and, and more is being asked of, of those of us that work for ESPN, bring it on. I, I'm happy to do as much as much work in, in football because it's not really work. It, it, it's a hobby. But I think you would need to extend the staff of, of that. And we're not just talking about on-air staff because just as important are the, the others, the, the producers, the directors, the the stats, the people that put all together, mm-hmm. um, something like that, 20, a 24-7 channel. I mean, <laughs> I, I had friends at ESPN, actually, I gave a little tour to, and it was, it was enlightening for me about all the thing, the way it started. And, and ESPN didn't go uh, 24-7 until nearly a year after it was first launched on the 7th of September 1979. It was the 1st of September 1980 that it, it became 24-7. Um, so it, there's a lot, and I know a lot has changed since then. But it, the idea is good. Um, right. The the application would be tougher. Um, but I think if I said earlier about us just starting to do wraparound shows uh, or full time um, shows with highlights on ESPN Plus only, then that's certainly a start. What will it lead to, or where will it lead to? I don't know. But I think for me, working at ESPN, the future is certainly exciting. My take on this is that we already have it in a roundabout way, because if you if you look at, say, ESPN Plus and you look at ESPN FC, the, the nightly show, you, you look at all the coverage um, that ESPN Plus offers from Serie A to Major League Soccer to the championship. You mean, the, the idea of kind of a, a 24-7 soccer channel, which the best example of this would be Fox Soccer Channel from back in, you mean, the, the 1990s, uh, 2000s, yeah. is that... Fox Sports or Fox Soccer Channel effectively was one match after another being played, and then you'd have a couple of shows here and there. That's what you have with ESPN Plus today. With the Bundesliga starting uh, next season on there, you're going to have even more coverage. Not only that, but you're going to have you have you have access to a whole bunch of other sports and documentaries and uh, you name it. And, and the, the way that the the viewer or the soccer fan. Uh, his or her habits have changed is because because of podcasts and other things we're much mm-hmm. more in a, in a self-selective mode where we're going to go and, and choose the things that we want to watch 
and we want to learn from or you know what well, that we enjoy so that becomes really kind of a modern day 24/7 soccer channel is that we have it it's just a different uh, it's it's framed differently than what we kind of think of as a 24/7 soccer channel which is say from a decade ago, ago which is completely different than than what we have uh, today take it back further than a decade ago you and I grew up um, the European Cup was was played over two legs. It was a Wednesday night. It was seven forty five. Mm-hmm. Um, that that became a Tuesday then a, and a Wednesday. That then became a group stage. Then it became a Champions League um, for teams that weren't even champions. Then recently it became staggered kickoff times. Then it became uh, prior to that the, the Europa League on a Thursday. Um, so you've got Tuesday, Wednesday. Th- I mean, f- football. You're right. F- football is pretty much a twenty four seven. Um, business to the extent you can get highlights or whatever, but that, that's a quick point I wanted to, to make about news gathering and, and, and rights. You may have noticed on ESPN FC this year, if you watch it on ESPN Plus, um, there are no Premier League highlights. We, we don't show the goal. We did that last season. Um, there was an agreement that was reached last season that wasn't reached this season. Now it's different from a sports or what's perceived as a sports show. Um, to show rights from other companies. Uh, mm-hmm. It's fine showing it from your own one, but if, you, if it was a news-gathering show, and this is, this is the argument you have, it's like in the UK, Sky News can show up to, I think it's a minute and a half of footage, um, but Sky Sports can't unless they have an agreement. And as part of a news-gathering agreement, a news channel can show footage if they give the, 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 kind of the, the due deference and the credit to to which company it's been broadcast on. This year, we, we haven't got that agreement um, for for highlights and, and for footage on, on FC. So when you're looking at a 24-7 station, if you've got so-called news shows like ESPN FC, it's still classed as a sports show. So you are, to an extent, limited on what other footage you can show that's not broadcast on your own network. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame that, NBC Sports and ESPN weren't able to agree to this because, to me, ESPN FC is more accessible. That's the place I would go to. I do go to for for news analysis and clips of highlights. Um, and I, I don't necessarily go to NBC Sports for that. I mean, I, obviously, when the Premier League is on, I'll watch those matches there. Um, but that's not a place I keep on going back to. So when the Premier League's over, in terms of uh, you mean the regular matches and the post match. Uh, discussion. I usually don't go back to that, and I usually don't don't go back to the website. So what I do catch it on is you know, usually social media, uh, if it's not on ESPN FC. So it's and again that's just me, um, but uh, to me it actually would help the Premier League and it would help NBC Sports if they were able to do a deal with ESPN uh, FC, especially now with you mean becoming more and more the destination for soccer fans in the United States. Well, one thing I would say just just finally, Chris, is I think Major League Soccer's got it right in that within minutes of something big happening, whether it's a, a golasso from Zlatan or or whatever it is, mm-hmm. they make it available on their Twitter account, uh, and it, it's not geo-blocked. It's available to all. Yeah, and and I think that that really helps the brand um, in, in that you'll have ESPN or you'll have BBC. Or you'll have Fox or, or whatever, and their Twitter accounts will either retweet it or embed it and, and put their own comment on with the goal. And and, and it's not blocked. I think that I think the Premier League, um, and I know I know it's a kind of behemoth and 
it doesn't even need a sponsor. They they turn down a sponsor because they don't need the money. I think even little things like that. I mean, I follow BT Sport and Sky Sports in the UK, and I can't watch a lot of the the, the goals content because yeah. it's it's geo blocked. Um, having just come back from the World Series, any wonderful plays, home runs, grand slams, the Bregman hit or whatever, within seconds, their social media are on it, and you can witness it, you can watch it, and ESPN and Fox and BBC can can embed it in a tweet and it can go global and it can be seen by everybody instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Major League Soccer is very good at that. There's a lot of other leagues that have still got a fair bit of catching up to do as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Now, we want you to have your say. So you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. If you have any questions, any um, analysis, and any reaction to some of the things we've said, uh, just let us know. We'd love to read those out on air. So thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, Overcast, and worldsoccertalk.com. And if you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. And Mark, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I really appreciate the time you've given us and also a lot of insights into... Um, not not only the role of a commentator but also some insight into the business uh, it's been a joy having you on thank you and if Kartik goes away again just uh, if you want to, to get me back on I'd be more than happy to, to do so it's been a pleasure thank you enjoy your football Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.